Preparedness. How to be prepared. That is coming at you on another podcast exclusive of Christian Thoughts. Coming up next. So God bless, ladies and gentlemen. This is your brother Jesse Jarrah coming at you live from North Carolina, U.S. Well, not live. But not record, well. <laughs> Let's redo that. God bless everyone. This is your brother Jesse Jarrah coming at you from North Carolina, USA. And of course, this is Christian Thoughts. Interesting and inspiring topics on being a Christian but still being human. Today's topic, ladies and gentlemen, is being prepared. What does it mean to be prepared? Now, I apologize if you hear noise in the background or girls yelling in the background. It's my two daughters in the playground. But what does it mean to be prepared, ladies and gentlemen? What does it mean to be prepared? What does it mean, ladies and gentlemen, to be prepared? What does it mean to get prepared? Getting ready. We are getting ready for an event. Being prepared means to get ready. Pre, as in before, paired as in an event. That's how I put it. I don't know if that's the actual definition, but that's how I put it. So, pre as in before and paired as an event. So, before an event, getting ready before an event. How do we prepare? How do we prepare? Where or how do we prepare? How do we prepare for a major event? How do we prepare for a concert? Speaking as an artist, ladies and gentlemen, speaking as an artist, how do we prepare for a concert? We prepare with extra speakers. We prepare for extra batteries for the microphone. We prepare for extra mics. We prepare with a lot of cables and cords that come with where, depending on where we're going, depending on where the concert is. We prepare with fire, uh, firework displays. You know, the, the what we call the, uh, the artificial explosions or the artificial fireworks. We prepare with sound checks before the concert to see if everything is in order, to see if the sound is in order. So how does that apply to our lives as Christians? Being prepared, ladies and gentlemen, how do we prepare, ladies and gentlemen, for a major storm? How do we prepare for a major storm? We just prepared for a major storm here in North Carolina about a few weeks ago. We prepared for Hurricane Florence. We prepared with extra water. We prepared with buying uh, lots of water, buying lots of uh, batteries just in case the power went out. We prepared with extra flashlights. We prepared with extra food, canned foods, extra batteries and, and, and 
shelters, generators. That's how we prepare for a big storm. What, ladies and gentlemen, again, how does that apply to our Christian lives? Are we prepared for the return of Jesus? Are we prepared for persecution? What does it mean, ladies and gentlemen, to be pursued? We don't know what it means to be, to have persecution in this country, in the U.S. We don't know what that means. Because we do not get persecuted here. Persecution, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't happen in this country based on your religion. We have what we call freedom of religion in this country. And because of that, because of that, we have no idea what it means to be persecuted. We have no idea to what it means to be pursued. Well, <laughs> unless you've been in a pursuit, in a cop pursuit, in a police pursuit, if you've been, if you've been in the middle of it, if you've seen it on TV, you know what it means. Or if you've been in the middle of it, if you've ever been the victim or the protagonist, if you will, of a pursuit, then you know. But when it, when it comes to being Christians, when it comes to religion, when it comes to things of that nature, we have no clue what it means to be persecuted, to be pursued. Persecution in this country does not happen. So we are blessed because of that. We are blessed because of that. We are blessed in such a form and such a way, ladies and gentlemen, that we take it for granted. How? Jadip, how do we take that for granted? Well, how do you take anything for granted? When you have enough of a good thing, when you have more than enough of a good thing, ladies and gentlemen, you take it for granted. And this, in this case, persecution, or non, I should say, non-persecution, we take for granted. How? By not seeking God. By not seeking God. By not seeking God's faith. By not getting close to God. Now I know I hit a couple of buttons. I know I pressed a couple of buttons. And I know I hit a couple of nerves at that right now by just saying that. Jadip, I seek God. I seek God as much as I can. Yes. As much as you can. I seek God on my free time. I go to church on my free time. I go to church on Sundays, every Sunday, some Sundays, a few Sundays, one Sunday a month. I go to church. Okay. But there's that seeking God. Going to church and seeking God, two different things. Jadip, what do you mean? How is that two different things? Well, ladies and gentlemen, and 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 I'm gonna use a term. I'm going to use a phrase that my, or not a phrase, but I'm going to use something my dad said in his last preaching. My dad is also a preacher for the glory of God. In his last preaching, he said to the church, we come to church with the bad habit of trying to receive. We think 
going to church is for us. We think going to church is to receive a blessing. But going to church, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing but nothing more but to bless God. Not bless ourselves. Because we bless God in the church is why we receive the blessing. Because we bless God, because we praise God at church, is why we receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible talks about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So it's true. It's real. And trust me, I know from experience, it is real. But we do not go to church. We are not supposed to go to church. To receive. Mm -mm. No. Big mistake. Bad habit of us as Christians. We go to church to praise God. We go to church to thank God. We go to church to be grateful to God. Why else do we do it on a Sunday? Because it's the beginning of a week. The beginning of the week is Sunday. The beginning of the week is Sunday. So we play, praise God and thank God and are grateful to God for another week that we are alive. For another week that he has allowed us to go to church, that he has protected us. Another week of blessings. Another week of staying alive. Another week of opening our eyes, letting our body parts work. Some more than others, but some at least some of our body parts work. Sometimes we go to church in pain, but we're going to church. We're at church, ladies and gentlemen, and we go to church to praise God. Not for receiving. And that's besides the point. The point, ladies and gentlemen, is yes, you go to church every Sunday, fine. But what does going to church every Sunday have to do with seeking God? You go to church every Sunday to listen to the Word, to learn something new about the Word, to praise God, as I said before. And some people don't even do that. Some people go to church just to say they go to church. Some people go to church, ladies and gentlemen, and it's sad to say, some people go to church just for the pastor to say that they go to church or for the bishop to say that they go to church or for the bishop to be happy that they're at church, for the, 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 the pastor, the bishop, the deacon, the usher, whatever the case may be, for them to be happy they go to church. What about the rest of the week? The rest of the week, you don't know if they're Christian worldly. You don't know if that they're if they're Christian or just another face in the ocean, another fish in the ocean as they say. Another face in the world. You don't know. Because they go to church on Sunday, but on Monday, who are they? Seeking God, ladies and gentlemen, needs to happen 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. How do we do that? 
by praising God all day long, keeping our minds on God, keeping our hearts on God, keeping our our thoughts on God. And as I like to say, this goes to this preaches to me first, and then to you, because I'm not going to be up here preaching and not talk to myself first. We have a saying in Spanish, "Doctor, cura te ti mismo." In other words, doctor, cure your own self. In other words, preacher, preach to your own self first, and then you can tell me what's wrong with me. That is what we say. That is what we always do. And again, I apologize for my daughters in the background screaming and yelling that they're playing around in the playground. But that's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do as preachers. Cure our own selves. Talk to our own selves first and then to you. But. So. So how do we seek God? By, by focusing on God. God at least. And I'm not saying this is a definite. But in my opinion... The Bible says that we need to give him the tithes of everything. Monetary and not monetary, as in money-wise or not money-wise. When, when we think of tithes, when we say tithes, we automatically think money, but not all the time, ladies and gentlemen. When I talk about the tithes of our day... We have 24 hours in a day, yes? Yeah, 24 hours in a day. And that, ladies and gentlemen, 10% of 24 hours in a day is 2 hours and 40 minutes. So God at least wants the tithe of our day. That's at least... Two hours and 40 minutes with just him. Just talking to him, praising him, singing to him, whatever the case may be. Give it to him. To God. Give that first two hours and 40 minutes or maybe that hour, to, that two hours that you're in church. Two hours and 40 minutes, three hours that you're in church. Give it to God completely. Put your whole mind on God, your whole heart on God. I'm not saying that you only need to do two hours and 40 minutes and the rest of the day be worldly. No, that's not what I'm saying. Don't get me twisted. What I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is we must, we must focus on God all day, but at least give Him praise and focus and, and, and give Him the, the total attention for at least two hours and 40 minutes. A day. That's the tithe of your day. That's the 10% of your day. But back to my original point. Why am I saying all this? And trust me, this coincides. It, it, it coincides. It goes together. Why am I saying all this? My point for all this, ladies and gentlemen, is to say we take for granted... The fact that, ladies and gentlemen, we are not persecuted. We take for granted the fact 
that, ladies and gentlemen, we have freedom of religion in this country today. And I'm going to talk about today. I'm not talking no, no, about the future. The future, ladies and gentlemen, holds something totally different. And that's what my point is for today's topic. Being prepared. How do we prepare for something as big as persecution? For something as deep and scary as persecution? How do we prepare? We prepare by seeking God's face. We prepare by, ladies and gentlemen, putting our whole lives and giving our whole lives to God. Giving our whole, our whole lives to God. That means, ladies and gentlemen, stay focused on God. Do not do anything worldly. As in, do not give any attention to the world. Keeping your focus and your mind on God. That's the hard part for us as American Christians or European Christians or whatever Christians that understand what I'm saying that are not persecuted. Christians that are listening to my voice but you're not persecuted. You're not arrested by praising God. You don't get arrested. You don't get a, a, a death penalty for saying the word God somewhere. It's already happening, but that doesn't mean we have persecution. There's a difference, ladies and gentlemen. There's a difference. It's already happening, and it's already happened that, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot no longer say the name of Jesus in a few areas in this country. We cannot pray as a class. The prayer, and when I talk about prayer in schools, I'm talking about prayer as a class. The classroom cannot pray altogether. It's against the law. The lunchroom, the cafeteria, cannot pray altogether. It's against the law. They cannot say, and they no longer they even took the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible out of courtrooms. You can no longer swear on top of the Bible, which I mean, I've never been, you know, approval of that for my personal reasons. But they even took the Bible and prayer out of courtrooms. It used to be that prayer was in courtrooms. It used to be that prayer, ladies and gentlemen, was in, was in uh, uh, schools. And the jobs, and no longer can you say or even speak about God in some areas, in some places. But does that mean we have persecution? No, because we are no long, we, we are not getting arrested. The only thing they can do is say, please don't do that here, or please don't say or talk about that here. Please go outside the premises. That's the only thing they can do. They can't arrest us. They can't do nothing. Persecution. When I talk about persecution, I'm talking about being prepared. To, when I talk about being prepared for persecution, I'm talking about the entire country going against Christians, going against the word Christ, going against the word Christian, going against, ladies and gentlemen, everything that has to do with God. Everything. Christians today are already hated by most of this world. 
Why? Because it's the devil's world. But that's besides the point. We are hated. Devora. Sorry. We are hated by most of this world because, ladies and gentlemen, people think that we're too judgmental. People think that we judge against them. People think that we're too harsh on some areas of this world, on some beliefs on this world or of this world. And so Christians are hated. Christians are hated in this world, ladies and gentlemen. So much to the point where in some countries, some countries have to, some Christians in other countries have to hide to have church. We don't have to do that here. Not yet. Some Christians have to hide to pray. We don't have to do that here. We have freedom of religion. Some Christians have to be in a church underground to even to even praise God. Some people will even say, I will die for Jesus, and they mean it. We can say that, but do we mean it? Do we really mean it? When we give our whole life to Jesus, when we give our whole life to Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, as a Christian, you are saying, I will die for preaching the gospel. You are saying, I would die, I'd rather die by preaching or because of my preaching, because of my praising God, than to not praise God because it's against the law. When you are saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is why the Bible says that this is only for the violent, for the, for the, for the brave. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence and only the violent take charge. Only the violent take hold of it. What does that mean? These days we say only the brave take hold of it. But the original scripture says only the violent take hold of the kingdom of God. What does it mean when it says suffers violence? It means that, ladies and gentlemen, people around the world are being persecuted and killed because of their belief in God, because of their belief in Christ. Jarab, you are, I already know this. You don't have to tell me. Well, if you already know this, why are we taking for granted, ladies and gentlemen, the fact that we are not persecuted? And when I say we are taken for granted, because we rather only go to church maybe one, two, three days out of the week. We rather only have church or only praise God only on a Sunday. We rather only praise God on a Sunday or on a Saturday or whatever day that we have church. We rather only praise God inside of church, but outside of church, who are we? We rather only seek God's face inside of church, inside. I talked about this on my Instagram about a few months ago. I said, who are we as Christians? 
Who are we as Christians? Are we like Peter? That before Jesus forgave him, that before Jesus used him, he denied knowing Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. Or are we like Paul and Silas, who in the jail cell, Santo eres Dios, who in the jail cell started praising God, who before they were went to jail, they, they got arrested because they were preaching, and even in jail, they were praising God. And they made that guard say, I want to know your God because that guard saw the miracles and the power of God. Because once they started singing and they got the whole jail cell to start praising God with them after the, the earth shook and the jail cell, the jail doors opened, all the jailers, all the prisoners went straight to Paul and Silas and started praising God together because they saw the power of God. So who are we as Christians? Who are we as Christians? And we'll be right back with the conclusion of today's topic. So, who are we as Christians? Who are we? Are we like Peter? Who before Jesus uh, uh, um, forgave him. <laughs> forgot the word for a minute. Before Jesus forgave him, he said that he was not a partner of Jesus. He denied knowing Jesus three times before the rooster croaked. Or are we like Peter and si Paul and Silas? Excuse me. Are we like Paul and Silas? Who allowed the guard to say, because I saw the power of your God, I want to know your God. Because you kept on praising your God. Even in prison, and the power of your God came down, I want to know. Excuse me, I want to know your God. Jesus is good. Who are we? Who are we as Christians? So are we prepared? That is a question. That is the question. The question of the day right there. Are we prepared? Are you prepared? Are we prepared for the return of Jesus? Are we prepared for persecution? Not even persecution. Persecution should be the least of our words. Are we prepared for Jesus' return? Are we prepared, ladies and gentlemen... For Jesus' return. Are we prepared. For the judgment day. People love to say. People love to say. Only God can judge me. Shouldn't that you worry you more? Shouldn't that worry you even more? I wouldn't want. For only God to judge me. You better be happy. Ladies and gentlemen, that the humans are judging you. Because the humans have no power over you. The only thing they can harm is your body, your physical body. But they have no power over your soul. So be happy. Be grateful that, ladies and gentlemen, humans are the one judging you. And it's not God. Because if it was God, my God, ladies and gentlemen, 
Only God can judge me. All the more reason for you to fix your life, ladies and gentlemen. All the more reason. All the more reason to fix your life. All the more reason to fix your life. To put your life ahead. All the more reason to fix your life. Only God can judge me. That should be the number one reason why you fix your life. Because God is going to ask you one day in the great in the great judgment of the great white throne. The judgment of the great white throne. That day is coming, ladies and gentlemen. And God is going to ask you if you knew I was going to judge you, why didn't you fix your life? Jesus is good. If you knew. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. That means he is accusing you of everything you did, haven't done, will do, are going to do, and are was thinking of doing. Accusing you 24-7 of everything. He's saying to God, look, look, look what look what your so-called Look what your so-called Christian boy is doing. Look what your so-called Christian girl is doing. Look what your so-called son or daughter is doing. Look what he's doing. He's doing this. He's doing that. Knowing that he's the one that's putting the ideas in our head sometimes. Sometimes. Knowing other times that it's our flesh. And because he knows it's our flesh, he accuses us even worse. When he says, look. He listened to his flesh. He listened to his own body. He listened to the cravings. He listened to the, 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 the desires of his own self. And he didn't listen to you. Accusing you every single day of every single thing you do, ladies and gentlemen. Every single day of everything you do. Only God can judge me. My friend, the Bible says that we are allowed to judge, but justly. The Bible says to judge justly, to judge in a just manner. As in, we better not do what we're judging others that they are doing. As in, we better not be doing, and Jesus said it himself. Jesus said, why are you judging that person? That has sawdust in his eye, but you have a huge piece of wood in yours. You don't see the huge piece of wood in your eyes, but you see the sawdust in your neighbor's eye. You know what that means? That means if you're going to judge, judge not lest you be judged. That's another verse of the Bible. But that means, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot judge if we're doing the exact opposite of what we're judging the other person not to do. Deborah Benaki. We cannot be doing anything close to what we are telling the other person not to do. Don't look at the sawdust in your neighbor's eye when you have a huge 4x4 four four plywood in yours. And it sounds funny, I know, but that's the... That's 
That's only half of the point. It sounds funny, but it's the truth. It sounds funny, but it's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. It sounds funny. Do not look at the sawdust. Do not look at the toothpick in your brother's eye when you have a huge four by floor, four by four plywood in yours. And you don't see it. You don't see it. Because you are judging others and you're not judging yourself first. Judge yourself first. If I judge you, you better you better know that I'm not doing what I'm judging you to do or not to do. But people that say only God can judge me, be grateful that these humans are judging you and it's not God yet. Because when it is God, you will have no excuse. You're going to tell God, oh, my excuse was that only you could judge me. And God is going to tell you, well, if you knew only I could judge you, why did you not fix your life? That's an excuse, ladies and gentlemen. Only God can judge me is just an excuse to not fix your life. Only God can judge me is an excuse to continue to live in your sin. Santissimo Cristo, you are worthy of praise, Jesus. Only God can judge me. Huh? Do not think that it's that easy, ladies and gentlemen. Because once you are judged by God, it's either eternal salvation or eternal damnation. It's eternal salvation or eternal damnation. Eternal salvation and happiness or eternal suffering and loneliness and, and, and everything wrong. You think you are suffering now on this earth? Huh? People think they suffer on this earth. They have no idea what awaits in hell. The kingdom of hell. Because yes, hell is a kingdom as well. Hell is a kingdom ruled by Satan, the, the master of evil. The master. The one who tricks you just by telling you what you already know. That's how he tricks you. Telling you stuff you already know. Telling you things that you didn't know, but twisting it just for you can know and think that it's going to help you. No, no, no. Do not let the devil trick you, my friend. Satan is the master of lies. He's the creator of lies. He's the father of lies. Hmm. There was a Satanist that went to a church one day and said, You, what you are preaching is full of lies. And the pastor was saying, Okay, oh yeah? How, why do you say that we are preaching full of lies? And the Satanist said, Because my master told me you were 
And he's like, oh yeah. I rebuke your master in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you and your master and your Satan and, and, and your tribe full of your master's followers in the name of Jesus. And my friend, God loves you more than your master Satan. Because your, your master Satan is nothing doing nothing but tricking you and deceiving you. And I rebuke that demon that you have inside of you in the name of Jesus. And what happened that day, ladies and gentlemen? That demon left his body and he started, fell to the ground crying. Fell to the ground crying. Because. Because he knew everything was true. You couldn't do nothing. The power of Jesus Christ is much more powerful than what Satan has. Jesus defeated Satan by resurrecting on the third day. <laughs> Satan, Satan ain't going to tell you that part. You who are listening and, and, and are a follower of Satan, Satan is not going to tell you that part. He's going to tell you he defeated Jesus. <laughs> He's going to tell you he defeated Jesus by making him die on that cross. But what he's not going to tell you is that he resurrected on the third day to give you life. And life in abundance. He's not going to tell you that part. He's not going to tell you the part that he took away the keys of death from the devil. For the devil can't say who lives and who dies anymore. Only God can allow death or life. Only God and Jesus can say who lives and who dies now because now that power has been taken away from the, from the devil himself. He ain't going to tell you that part. He ain't going to say it. He's going to deny it. He's going to tell you, oh, that's not true. He's going to tell you to tell me, oh, that's not true. Oh, yes. I know all his tricks because his tricks are nothing but the same for the past 2018 years. For the past 2018 years, it's been all the same. The same tricks. Nothing but deceit, lie, destruction. He knows nothing more but to deceive, to destroy, and to steal. That's it. That is the devil's three tricks. And with those three tricks that he uses, he does nothing but lie, lie, and continue to lie. Continue to lie. Continue to do the same over and over and over again. He does nothing. He knows nothing except to lie, destroy, and steal. And he thinks he's powerful with those three objects that only he knows how to do. No, sir. My friend, are you ready? Are we prepared? Are you prepared? The devil's going to tell you hell is full of happiness and greatness. But what he's going to show you down there is, ha, I tricked you. I tricked you and I deceived you and you fell for it and now you're down here suffering. Just like me. You, want, you know why he says he's going to... That you're suffering just like he's going to because he's going to suffer sooner or later and he knows that. And that's why he's pissed and he's getting ticked off. Sorry for the word. 
it's getting ticked off. And he, because he knows his time is almost up. And that's why he's throwing every sort of weapon against Christians, against those that know the Bible, against those that know the real truth. Why do you think this world is full of haters of Christians? Because this is his world. I said it already. This is the devil's world. Jesus saved this world, but that doesn't mean that it's Jesus' world. It still belongs to devil. It still belongs to the devil. And because it belongs to the devil, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to have a whole tribe, a whole army full of haters of Christians and anything and anyone that goes towards the belief in God. Because he hates his punishment. He doesn't want to think about his punishment. So he does everything that he can to deceive everyone that he can into thinking that we Christians are the enemy when in fact he is the enemy of your life and of our lives because he's deceiving you he's the master I said this before the master of deceit do not let him in do not let him trick you my friend he is nothing more than master of deceit trust me be prepared, but don't be prepared for, you know, presents and butterflies when it comes to the devil. Be prepared for, ladies and gentlemen, hmm. be prepared for the biggest war you've ever seen. You think World War One and World War Two was bad, huh? World War Three is the, going to be the war to end all wars going to be the biggest war in the history of wars and it's going to start with the animus the animosity I think I'm saying that right as in the great and powerful uh, um, enemy of Christians going against every Christian in the world the huge animosity of Christians is going to begin World War Three. It's gonna start. It's already starting. The hints are already around the world. They hate us because we're judgmental. They hate us because we're 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 preaching the gospel everywhere. They hate us because they think the devil has all the power. Power. They hate us because, ladies and gentlemen, they think that 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 the devil is gonna bring them joy. They hate us because because. The L, we're against the LGBTQ community. They hate us because of all these things that the God says are abomination. We are so calling them abomination and the world hates us for that. All these things that are against, that are, that are, that are, that coincide and that are with the law of man are abomination to God. Whether it be abortion, whether it be gay marriage, whether it be the LGBTQ community, whether it be whatever the case may be, ladies and gentlemen, the world hates us for that. And that is the devil's first weapon against Christians. The hatred against us. Be prepared, ladies and gentlemen. Prepare yourselves. 
in God. Prepare yourselves, my friend. Those of us that are Christian, prepare ourselves. Get more entwined with God. Get more closer to God. Again, like I said before, if you think you're holy, sanctify. If you think you're a saint, sanctify yourself even more. Reading the Bible, fasting more, praying more. Getting close to God in every meaning of the word. In every meaning of the word, do it. For you can be prepared for what's to come. And for who's to come, which is Jesus Christ. May God bless your day, your night, and the rest of your week. This has been Christian Thoughts. We'll be live again on Saturday. This Saturday, as always, at 12 o'clock p.m. And of course, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if this has blessed you and if this program blesses you, be sure to support us. Go on to anchor.fm slash jct and support this podcast with any form, with any uh, amount. There does not have to be a specific amount. Any amount you can do. Support us. And we would gladly shout you out. If you want to be shouted out on the air, with your name saying that you're supporting I would gladly shout your name out on the air for thanking you to support Christian thoughts may God bless the day your night and the rest of your week and remember be prepared because Jesus is coming but also a war is coming so be prepared for both God bless <laughs>